Amen. You know, one of the things about me, um, I love technology, gadgets, um, all sorts of technology. I love it in cars. I love it. Um, maybe if you come to my house, you might see some unnecessary technology I've got plugged in the wall. It's just, I like technology. I don't know who else is with me who likes technology as players, gadgets and so on. Um, I like it. It's good. Um, and, you know, it, you know, I don't go too crazy with it, but I just, I like it. It's good. I don't have a problem with it. Um, I'm preaching from an iPad right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things. Uh, but lately, I don't know if anybody's seen um, a product that Apple will be bringing out soon. Um, it's called Vision Pro. Anybody seen that before? Vision Pro. Okay. Now, I love technology. I, I'm, I'm into it. I like it and stuff like that. But when I saw what this thing will do, my eyebrows raised a little bit. And if you've not seen it before, just go ahead and have a look and see what they're going to bring out at some point. I don't know if it's next year or whenever they do. My eyebrows raised a little bit because Vision Pro, what it is, is you know, uh, what's coming into fashion now is uh, the, the virtual world. And what Vision Pro is, is they've got these goggles that you put on. And, you know, Apple is so sophisticated with everything that they do. And these are sophisticated. I think this thing cooks you breakfast, I think, if you ask it to, right? You put it on and you can immerse yourself in this virtual world. Um, and it's so odd that even on the front of it, it's not see-through, but on the front of it, they put like a screen of your eyes on the front. So it looks like you're looking at people. It's, it's, it's odd, and when, you're, when you put these on, you, you can go into a literal another world. I mean, you've got a little dial that can dial it down so you can see through it, so you can wear it and just see through it as normal, and messages will come up, you can see both. And you can turn the dial even more, and it kind of shuts down the outside world, and now you're immersed into, I don't know, a film or a game or Facebook or, or, or whatever this kind of things. And, and, you know, everything is just a virtual thing. You can create yourself. You look different. Obviously, there's no spots, no blemishes. Your teeth are, like, white, like, a, like ice white. You know, you look, you, you know, you can create yourself a virtual thing. There's a picture of it. Amen. There it is. Uh, quick thinking. Amen. Technology team, God bless you. Amen. That's a picture of it. So those are not her real eyes. That's, that's a video of her eyes. Um, but I say that to say because uh, what we're doing or what we're heading into is uh, doing more to live in a virtual world. And I want to preach a sermon of entitled Virtual Reality. Yeah? Because as we go through life, you look at the technology we have with us, uh, we are moving towards this kind of fake existence a kind of existence that isn't actually reality, it is virtual reality. And the problem with virtual reality is that you move away from, obviously, reality and create this whole different kind of a, a world and so on. And how many know the more we do that, our morals then become virtual as well? Everything about life becomes virtual. And I want to preach a sermon of a title, like I said, virtual reality. Out of 2 Timothy chapter 4, and verse number 1, we're going to read the Bible says, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they are itchy, they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. 
But you be watchful in all things, enduring afflictions. Do the work on evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Virtual reality. Now this uh, episode of scripture is taken from a letter. We know that Paul is the author of this letter and is sent uh, as an experienced minister sent to a young minister, Timothy. Both two letters, first and second Timothy, are letters from Paul to Timothy. And I love the letters. They are great. They give us great instruction. But a bit of context of what he's talking about or what this portion of scripture is surrounding, the context of this portion of scripture, Paul is talking about the return of Jesus Christ. How many know if Paul was talking about the return of Jesus Christ then being imminent, how many know the return right now could be any second? Can you say amen in this place? So the context of what Paul was saying was about the return of Jesus Christ. And that is such a pinnacle moment because that is true salvation. Like right now, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, that is a form of salvation. But when Jesus Christ comes back and steps foot on the Mount of Olives, that is true salvation because then we'll be taken up. Then we'll be with our Lord forever. And it is the pinnacle when it all comes to fruition. That's what we've been serving Christ for, for him to come. Come back and take us home. The things we spend so much time and money and effort on here won't mean anything on that day when Jesus Christ comes back. So this is the context by which Paul is writing to this young minister, Timothy. And I want to preach a couple of things. The first thing I want to talk about is moving into a virtual reality. And he does this by instructing Timothy. He tells him, he says this in verse number two, it says... Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. In the context of Jesus Christ coming back, the first thing Paul tells Timothy to do is preach the word. Not ideas, the word. Come on now. He doesn't want him to preach philosophy or opinion. He wants him to preach the word. And he's saying that because the word is what transforms life. Can you say amen in this place? It is the word that brings light into a darkened world. It is the word that brings order where there is only confusion. It is the word that brings peace. So Timothy tell, or sorry, Paul tells Timothy, listen, Jesus Christ is coming back. This world is going crazy. What you need to do is preach the word. And he said that the first thing because there are many people preaching out there in this world. There are many ideologies that are going on in this world. And he's saying in all of this, in the midst of people searching a a virtual reality, I want you to bring the truth and preach the word of God. And that's a fantastic uh, uh, instruction to a preacher. Preach the word. Because how many know, listen, I've got the microphone here. I can say whatever I want. I can say my own opinions. I can talk about I think this or I believe this. And listen, that's not my job as a pastor, can I tell you right now? That's not my job. My job is to stand here. My job is to uh, understand, to spend time in the Word, to pray and minister the Word of God, not the Word of Peter Dua. Come on now. I don't believe you guys have come here to hear a word from me. You've come to hear a word from God. And that's the instruction that Paul gives to Timothy. He says, preach the word. The second thing he says is convince. Now, some translations say reprove or correct. 
And this is an idea of bringing people into the correct knowledge, bringing people into truth. You must convince people. You must speak about things because there are so many things going on that people go. There's so much uh, uh, things, got theories going on, conspiracy theories and so on. You've got to convince or we've got to convince people of, of the truth of, of what it is. And it's going to take some convincing, especially in this day and age. People believe all sorts of nonsense. All sorts of nonsense are accepted before the, the, the word of God. You can go into work, I say this all the time, you can go into work and talking about, listen, tarot cards, or I'm going to my palm reader next week. Oh, I went to the palm reader last week, it's great. You can talk about all this stuff and it's widely accepted. You go and talk about Jesus Christ and the tone changes. So he says you must preach the word, you must convince. And I like the word convince there, it's the same word used in 1 Corinthians 14 and verse number 24. The Bible says, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, then he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all and thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. It's that type of conviction of that type of convincing that we need to have to be able to wake up this world that's asleep. He told him to preach the word, to convince him, and then he said rebuke. Now we understand what this means. We understand rebuke is used many times in the New Testament. It's a more case of, again, similar as correction, but it's a kind of got a tone of a sharpness about it. It's a bit of a, a sharp word that you would speak to somebody and rebuke. And we understand that this is slightly confrontational. If you're going to rebuke somebody, it is slightly confrontational. And we understand that the, the society that we live in doesn't like confrontation. How many people agree with that in this place? Society we live in don't like confrontation. So if you're on the streets preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and it sounds slightly confrontational, there's going to be some raised eyebrows. But Paul uh, told Timothy, make sure you rebuke some people. Come on, how many know rebuking is in love? Listen, if those of you with children, sometimes you've had to rebuke the children. Come on, can I say amen in this place? I have four children, amen. And at some times in their life, I have to dish out a, a rebuke. And it sounds a bit confrontational, but I'm doing that because I love them. Listen, if I did not rebuke my children, that shows that I would hate them. They'll grow up to be terrorized, and then we'll have the police have to do the rebuking on my behalf. Can you say amen in this place? And I don't want that. I want them to grow up to be great citizens of God. He says, preach the word, convince, rebuke, exhort. The word exhort is to urge people, strongly to encourage people, to give them an opportunity. Listen, Peter's first sermon, the Apostle Peter, he got filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, we know, and they started speaking in other tongues. People came out, thought they were talking gibberish, and the Bible says he stood up and preached because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Acts chapter 2, verse number 40 says this, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this perverse generation exhorted them with many words this is almost like not begging but you're really encouraging you're strongly encouraging people giving them an opportunity to understand the signs of the times that we're living in and Paul told Timothy to do all of these things to preach to convince to rebuke exhort with long suffering and teaching how many of the best teachers are those that know what they're talking about, number one, and those that can teach with patience? If you ever try to teach people and they're just not getting it, you need patience to bring them from A 
to be. I remember a time, uh, it was, I think it was lockdown. Uh, we know they locked down everything, locked down the schools and everything. Then they started homeschooling children. And I remember a time where that was my role. I was, I was working at the time and also homeschooling the children. Um, and teaching my kids was a tough battle. I could teach some algebra, just simple algebra, or I can teach some simple science. And, uh, and, and, and 10 minutes later, they'll ask me the same question again. I'm like, I just told you this. Okay, second time, let's go through. And they get it. 15 minutes later, they ask me the same question again. And now I'm starting to, but I'm like, we just went over this. And we just went through this. So I then learned and I had a lot of patience in order to teach people. And that's what we need as believers of Christ. As we're talking to people, we're telling people, we're teaching people. We need to have a little bit of patience to understand. We need to take them from A to B. And Paul told Timothy to do all of this. Why? Because if you look at verse number three of our text, the Bible says, For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. He says people won't endure, people won't listen to good teaching, or people won't listen to the truth. He's saying a time will come where that will happen. The Apostle Paul was giving us a test or a prophecy. In other words, he's saying there's going to be a come a time where you tell people the truth and they will turn their nose up at it. It's going to come a time where the awesome wonder of God will be questioned. People will be debating truths about the Bible. Can I say, church, this is no longer coming. It's already here. Can you say amen in this place? It is already here with us. It is already here. People are already turning away from sound doctrine, not enduring, not listening to sound doctrine. So I want to move on to my second point about directing desire. He says in verse number three, According to that, it says, so same thing, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will keep up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. That word there, fables, they're going to turn from the truth and go to fables. In other words, they're going to turn from the truth and turn to make-belief, or in other words, turn to a virtual reality. They're going to turn their nose up at the truth and and turn towards a a virtual truth. And we've seen this elsewhere in Scripture when the Bible says that when sin is is, is fully fully born, so it takes us into, sorry, our own desires, sorry, are fully born, it takes us into sin. It is our own desires that moves us into a place, into a direction that is away from God. It is our desires sometimes that can take us to unrealistic places, our desires. Desires sometimes, our own selfish desires sometimes can take us into a, a, a virtual reality to where we're just daydreaming of, oh, I wish I could do this, or I wish I could have this, or I wish I can see this, or go to this place, or speak to that girl, or speak to that guy. Our desires will take us to a virtual reality, and people want to live their life in this virtual reality, denying the truth. And I want us to say we need to understand that we need to turn away from the fables, from the fake reality, and turn to the truth, which is the word of God. Can you say amen in this place? And I find it interesting what the Bible says in Isaiah, even Jesus quoted these words in Isaiah 14 and verse number 12. These are familiar words of scripture to most of you. It says here in verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. 
how you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest parts or the lowest depths of the pit. Now we've read that before. We understand that before. This is a prophecy of what the of what the devil was doing. But if you look at what happened here, what he was doing was living in a virtual reality. He was daydreaming. He was putting himself into places that is not true. He was saying, I will do this and I will have this. I will go here. I will be like the Most High, creating this virtual existence around himself. And we understand, we know that that was his downfall and that brought him down to where he is right now. Can I say, people are living in this type of life where they're bringing themselves up, exalting themselves up in this virtual life in this virtual reality. But the thing is, reality will hit you in the face one day. Can you say amen in this place? Reality will hit you in the face one day. And virtual reality, living in this fantasy world, will erode your discernment. You can no longer discern what true things to do, what right things to do. The world will play on your desires and it will produce an alternative reality to now you're living a life just that would suit you. Listen, I don't like that, but I'm going to live this life and it'll suit me. Listen, can I tell you that is a fake reality. People are living and making decisions based on a fake reality. How many know... Let's just pick a, a road out here. Okay, we're, we're in Hull. M62. Everyone knows what the M62 is, right? I'm seeing the right crowd, right? I could stand on the M62 in the middle of the M62 and say, I don't believe in cars. Come on. I can stand in the middle of the road and say, I don't believe in cars. But there's a car coming towards me at 70 miles an hour. What do you think would happen if the car didn't see me and so on? It didn't see me and it was dark. Well, what do you think would happen to me if I just continue standing there. Reality would hit me in the face, right? So, but people are living this fake reality where it's like, I'm going to create my own moral code. I'm going to create this on my own world until I, I push away the things I don't like and live in a world where I just take what is good, what is acceptable, what's comfortable. That is the virtuality that many people find themselves in. And today, people in society will start to say, listen, listen, you can believe what you want. Listen, at the end, uh, if you're a good person, then we're all going to go to a good place. It's interesting, and I find it funny when people die. Before, when they was living, they didn't they no paid attention to the afterlife, but when people die, we're saying, oh, he's in a good place, or he's looking down at me, and so on and so forth. Where did you get that information from? Where did you get that info from? You're living in a false sense of security, living in a virtual reality, and even bring it into the house of God. People feel that as long as I come to church, as long as I look like I'm doing the, the part, of, I can live however I want, I can do whatever I want. That's a virtual reality. Jesus said in the last day, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, we did this in your name. We did that in your name. And Jesus is going to say, I don't even know who you are. Depart from me. He's going to say that to people who have been living their life in a virtual reality. 
They've been living their life in a, in a fake existence. And I'm here to say, church, we need to take off those goggles. Can you say amen in this place? We need to live in a reality and see the truth of what God is saying here. He's saying here at the end, in verse number five, he said to, Paul said to Timothy, he said, but you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, and do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So three things he puts to him in the end of our scripture. Number one is you must be watchful in all things. In other words, don't let your guard down. Don't let people or society bring you into a place or lull you into a false sense of security. Don't think you can come come and pay a visit to church every so often, but live how you want to live. Don't think you can have this entitlement. No, don't think your pride will get you far places. No, be watchful and do not be deceived. The Bible says the devil walks around or prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But if you're watching, if you're watchful, if you're alert, how many know you can see the thief is coming? Can you say amen in this place? John 10.10 says that the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So that's what we've got to be watchful for. He says be watchful. Then he says endure afflictions. Now that doesn't sound very nice. That doesn't sound very pleasant. The Bible says that the righteous suffer many afflictions, but the Lord will deliver him out of all of them. That sounds nice. Listen, I can go through some things. Dare I say, you, must be, you might be going through some things right now, but the Lord will deliver us from everything. We had a fantastic testimony there. There was affliction after affliction after affliction, but how many know the Lord delivered them out of all of them? Can you say amen in this place? And that is our portion. The Lord will deliver us from everything. So we must endure. We must stand strong and push forward. We should endure because it's only for a season. And how many know that when God comes back and wraps this all up, listen, there'll be no more tears, the Bible says. Our pain will be gone, the Bible says. We will swap corruptible for incorruptible, the Bible says. There'll be a time where there'll be no more issues, no more afflictions to deal with, no more persecution, no more pain, and we're going to enter into his rest. But right now, our job is to be watchful and to endure. And I love the last thing he says uh, to this young minister. He says, do the work of an evangelist. There's a job at hand. Doesn't matter how long you've known Christ, doesn't matter how much of the Bible you know, doesn't matter if you've just been saved one day, your job is to do the work of an evangelist. And the job of an evangelist is to tell people the good news. Because there's so much bad news in society. There's so much bad news in this world. We have to have somebody, someone, a man of God or a woman of God who will go out and say, listen, this is the truth. Thus says the Lord who will go out and stand against what you're living is a fake reality. I have to tell you the truth. You have to live in a real world that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And this time he's not coming like a baby in a manger. 
angel. Can you say amen in this place? This time he's coming back a judge. He's coming back a king, fire in his eyes, a sword coming out of his mouth. You must be ready for the day that Jesus Christ comes back. Listen, we have to go out there and convince, rebuke, exhort with long suffering all that we should able to direct people to Jesus Christ because people are asleep in this world. People are living in a virtual reality, in a fantasy land, and we have to rescue people out of that world. You know, back when I was, uh, uh, this is before Christ, when I was, uh, I keep saying this, I say it a lot, one of my, my, my kind of pastimes when I was young was to watch movies and play games. That's all I did. That's all I did. And I remember growing up, uh, um, I now see how, how twisted this movie was. Um, but I remember growing up and watching uh, The Matrix um, uh, and what this was, it was a, it was a, it was a science fiction film, uh, and it depicted uh, like two worlds: uh, this, the true world, uh, and then the Matrix, where everybody's plugged in and you can do all sorts of things, and and people don't know it's a Matrix, but then there's a, a true world behind. Uh, you know, it, I wouldn't recommend watching. Actually, don't, don't, don't. I wouldn't recommend. If you've never seen it, good. God bless you. You're blessed. <laughs> Amen. If you've not watched it, but for those of us, unfortunately, that did watch this, you know what they're trying to de- depict. Uh, but there's a there's an element there where where people are actually living a life like that here today where they're going about their business and going about their their jobs going about their lives and so on and not realizing what the enemy has done not realizing that they're walking around blind not realizing that they're walking around bound it's it it, it, it intrigues me how the bible describes it was in noah's days as they was going about their business giving in marriage getting married until the day the flood came that will be like it is in this society now where people are living their lives, uh, quote unquote, having fun and doing all these things, not realizing they're living a make-believe life. But we are here to do the work of an evangelist and go out there and tell people, listen, we've got time right now. You've still got breath in your lungs. Let me uh, show you the truth. Let me show you uh, the agenda of Jesus Christ and try and win people to Christ. But we can only do this if we ourselves are living in reality. And we must first preach to ourselves, church. How many know that's true? We must first get our house in order uh, because, uh, because we come to this church, because we come to the potter's house, amen, uh, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't automatically mean that you are living in a reality. Some people can come and it can be a tick box exercise and living their life Monday to Saturday, however they want, Sunday they've got the suit on and then they live their life again Monday to Saturday. How many know that's a false sense of security? And we need to come to a place, church, where we ourselves uh, do not uh, disqualify ourselves, but we bring our bodies into subjection, bring our bodies in line and start to live how God wants us to live. Each and every one of us have a destiny to unfold. And the Bible says you must do the work of an evangelist. There's work to be done. How many agree with us in this place? There's work to be done. Let's put aside our issues, put aside our problems and do the work of an evangelist. We want to shake this world up. I really do believe it's not too long before Jesus Christ comes back and I can't wait for the day that he does. But until he returns, there's work to be done. Until he returns, there's people out there in bondage. Until he returns, there's people walking out there in darkness. There's people walking out there in depression, suicidal 
idle thoughts until he returns. It is our job to go and set people free all through the blood of Jesus Christ. I love the fact they said their young daughter didn't have their blood type. Well, maybe it's the blood of Jesus Christ flowing through her veins. Can you say amen in this place? We need to go and declare the gospel of Jesus up and down this city, around this world, because we need to do the work of an evangelist. And when Jesus Christ comes back, we'll see many people swept into heaven who are living a reality, a real life, and have been taken out of the matrix, taken out of this virtual reality. We need to do the work of an evangelist because how many know the context of, like I said at the very beginning of this, Jesus is returning soon. And we need to wake up ourselves out of this virtual reality and go and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So tonight, the word for you today is to live in reality. Everybody say reality. That's the word for today, to live in reality, do the work of evangelists, and let's see souls swept in. You know that's the reason Jesus Christ left and gave the Holy Spirit? So that the church can go and get converts. That's all the church is there to do, to win souls. And if we're not winning souls, um, we are losing our purpose. Um, so let's reevaluate re- re- what we're here to do, reevaluate what God has called us all to do, um, and let's do the work um, of evangelists. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes um, in this place. Um, virtual reality.